Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from Converge Church, now in progress. Amen. All righty. Somebody say, I believe in miracles. And you're going to witness one today because you're going to get a 15-minute sermon from your pastor. Full of power and glory. All things are possible. Hey, real, real quick, before I dive into today's message, uh, I just want to let you guys know that we were having some technical difficulties earlier. That's why there are no uh, lyrics on the screen, none of the videos, none of the sermon notes. However, you can follow along uh, on version. If you're a note taker, go to your version app, click on the hamburger menu. That's the three lines. Click on that. Click on events and scroll through all those churches. You will find Converge Church. So you can follow along there. Amen. Uh, let's pray and we'll dive into the word together, all right? Father, we come to you in the strong name of Jesus, that name that is above every other name. We yield ourselves to you now and say, God, have your way in us that you might have your way through us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Listen, if you've been following along with us, we've been in a series called Miracles, that nothing is impossible. We have defined miracles or a miracle as a divine suspension of natural law in order to fulfill the purpose of God. When God intervenes in the affairs of humanity and performs a miracle, it simply means that he is suspending natural law, whether it's parting the Red Sea, multiplying five loaves and two fishes, uh, healing a withered hand, raining down manna from heaven. He is suspending natural law in order to fulfill his divine purpose. But we did kind of did a moonwalk. We did kind of did a, 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 a rewind to Genesis chapter 1 because we wanted to discover the patterns of God in Genesis chapter 1, the book of origins. And in Genesis chapter 1, we discovered the pattern of God as it relates to miracles because Creation in and of itself is a miracle. So we wanted to examine the patterns of God in the six, depending on how you count it, the six slash seven days of creation, if you include the seventh day on which God rested. So we've been saying this. This is sort of our mantra as we walk through God's word together, and I invite you to say it after me. It's simply this. Understand the plan. Follow the pattern. Receive the promise. We'll say that again. Understand the plan that God has a plan for your life, for my life. Number two, follow the pattern that God is a God of intentional design. Nothing he does is random or haphazard. Nothing God does is reactive. Everything he does is proactive. And that's why we've said before, who you are is not for you to decide, it's for you to discover. Because it's, it's God-appointed, not self-assumed. God decided that a long time ago. But then we're kind of transitioning into the third phase, which is receive the promise. Okay? It's not enough just to know what God has promised. We want to see some manifestation of that thing in our lives personally. We want our lives to witness to the fact, to attest to the fact, that what God has said is true. And it should be evident in our lives. So it's not just theory. We're actually living it out. And I've got a slight ring on my mic. Okay? That's important for us to understand. That's why Mark, in Mark chapter 16, said that God worked with them 
confirming the word that they preach with signs and wonders following. You are a sign and a wonder. You are proof. You are proof that God's word is true. We ought to have the evidence in our lives that what God said in his word is not some antiquated text. It is true today. And our lives should bear witness to the veracity and the authenticity of God's word. Every single day in how we live personally, in how we relate to others, and so on and so forth. So here's a recap. And my wife just told me uh, that my dear friend, our dear friend from years ago, Carol Cavazos, is in the building. Carol, where you at? All the way. How come you're all the way up there? It's a first-time guest. We're going to fix that. We're going to fix that, okay? Good to see you. Love you. We're glad you're here. It looks like I also saw, J is, J is that Jason? That's not Jason. It looked like Jason Zakinas for a second, but it's not Jason. I thought it was Jason. All right. Uh, what was I talking about? Okay, recap. How much time I got left? What time is it? 1041. So let's do some math, right? Because service didn't start at 10. So we got some rollover minutes from Singular Wireless that you'll go give your pastor this morning. Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. Yeah. Don't get a white flag, my wife said. Okay. All right, here it is. Recap. Seven days of creation or six days of creation. And then we're going to wrap here on the seventh day. Today we're going to talk about the seventh day. All right, so day one, day one, this is the pattern. We're going to follow the pattern of God. And it's very practical because this is how God wants us to live, all right? So day one, day one, we said, see the opportunity in seemingly chaotic situations and circumstances. In the pattern of God, God wants us, if we're going to manifest the miracle power of God, all right, if we're going to be expressions and manifestations of the power of God, number one, you and I need to start seeing the opportunity in the midst of chaos and What's the word I said? Uh, in the midst of chaotic circumstances. When God stepped out of time, out of eternity into time, he saw a, 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 a world that was void and without form, and he said, let there be light. The first step to being carriers of the miracle-working power of God is to see the opportunity when everyone else sees the obstacle. Because that's what God did. He saw a, a world void without form, and he said, let there be light. That's a good segue into number two. The second pattern of God is be solutions oriented. Most of us complain about the problem instead of being the problem solver. And we talked about that early on, that your reward, my reward in life, is determined exclusively by the problems you and I have chosen to solve. The person who solves a legal problem gets compensated at one level. The person who solves a, an emotional problem, a therapist, gets, solves, gets uh, compensated on a, another level. The person who solves an entertainment problem. So, so look at your life and say to yourself, I want to be an expression of the miracle working of power of God, but what problem am I solving? That's critical. The third thing we found was that God, in everything he built, he built sequentially. He built sequentially. He built everything in a very specific order. I would venture to say that many times when we're frustrated in life, 
it's not because of a lack of effort. It's because of the wrong approach. Most people work hard instead of working smart. Working hard is about your effort. And a lot of times people say, man, man, I'm grinding, I'm grinding, I'm gr but I don't see any fruit for my hard work. Sometimes it's not about the labor. Remember, Jesus shows up and he has this conversation with Peter because they're washing their nets. They were done for the night. They were done for the night. Jesus comes and says, hey, man, let's get in the boat and go fishing again. And this is what he said. He said, Master, we have done what? We have toiled what? All night. Somebody say effort. But he caught nothing. It wasn't for a lack of effort because he had toiled all night. Jesus said, get down, get in that boat. And this is what he said. Uh, I love this part of the story. Because after he makes his boat Jesus' platform, how many of you realize you can't outgive God? And Jesus said, okay, because you sold your boat into my ministry to allow me to preach this message so all these people can hear, you ain't going to outgive me, God. And he said, let down your net. And what did he say? The other side. What did he say? The other side. It wasn't about his effort. It was about his approach. And there's some of us letting down our nets on the wrong side. And we think it's only about effort. Jesus said it's about your approach. And so when we talk about building sequentially, there are many people putting in a lot of time and effort, but it's out of sequence. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If God had made Adam first, what would he have done with a world void and without form? God made everything and then placed man in the midst of his creation to steward it. Because God builds sequentially. If we're going to manifest the miracle power of God, we have to learn the lesson of building in the right sequence. All right, so this is review. And so that's day three. Day four, there were seasons and cycles. He put the stars in the sky and let these be a sign for seasons and cycles. Verse five, I mean day five, he created all the animals, birds of the air, fish of the sea, and there was an abundance, right? And he said, be fruitful and what? Multiply. We said day five is about sufficiency and supply. Day six, uh, when God created man, he created him to have dominion, but also to manage. To manage well what God had entrusted to him. If we're going to see the miracle power of God in our lives, stewardship matters. Let me tell you why stewardship matters. None of it belongs to you. So sorry to bust your bubble this morning. None of it belongs to you. And that's why the psalmist said in Psalm 24 in verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth and everything in it. All of it belongs to him. And he has charged us with stewardship. And what is stewardship? Managing well what belongs to another. So my life isn't even mine for, to use as I choose. I want you to hear that. It's my life. I can do what I want to. No, no, no. 
the scripture says if you're born again, you were bought with a price. So you are no longer your own. Therefore, glorify God with your body and spirit. It ain't your body to do with it what you please. It ain't even your money. Newsflash. And I'll get to a verse right here at the end of the message to let you know why it ain't even your money. Because when you slept last night, you didn't even know whether you would wake up this morning. You assumed you would. But even while you slept, God sustained you. You don't even have the power to determine whether you will make it to the next hour. For those of you who think it is by your power, you don't even know if you'll make it past today. And so all the ability that he has to sing, to play, to dream, to think, to create, it came from God. You better honor him with your stewardship because it ain't yours to use as you choose. And that's what day six is about. And the reason God kicked them out of the garden was because of their poor stewardship. They managed poorly what God had entrusted to them. Why do you think Jesus would tell the disciples, after everybody was fed, 5,000 men not counting the women and children, Bible scholars said it would have been north of 15,000 people who were fed that day. Because in the Bible, when they did the numbers, they only counted men. Thank God those days are long gone. How many of you realize that women matter? We celebrate women in leadership at Converge Church. Why do you think Jesus, after everybody was fed, told his disciples, go back and gather the fragments, leave nothing behind? And when they went and gathered the fragments, what did they leave with? Anybody know? Twelve baskets full. You know what Jesus was teaching? He was teaching the principle of stewardship. That now that you're full, you're leaving behind the crumbs. But even the crumbs belong to me. Even the crumbs are there for you to redistribute and help others. I'm talking about the crumbs we often ignore. I'm talking about a conversation I had with a young lady in our church. Who, you know, your bank will tell you what you're spending money on. It'll give you that pie chart. And she went and did the deep dive. And that year, she had spent $2,500 on Starbucks. Now take that $2,500 that you're spending at Starbucks and apply the miracle of compounding interest. And Cynthia said, you know what, I ain't going to buy Starbucks for a year. But I'm going to buy my little K-cup or Maxwell House, good to the last drop. Come on, somebody. Or Folgers in your cup. I'm talking about the crumbs that you think you don't have. Oh, it's just $5 here at Starbucks, but it's $2,500. And the miracle of compounding interest applied to the $2,500 you don't have over time. Over time. I'm talking about stewardship. I'm talking about all the unnecessary subscriptions you have and don't use. $6 here. $9 here, $10 here. Listen, listen. Jesus said, gather those crumbs. It's time for you to get in your phone or whatever app it is and chop it off. Because there are people in this room who would rather spend hundreds of dollars on subscriptions than give $1 in an offering to help hurting people. Because, Pastor, I don't got it. No, you're leaving the crumbs in the field. 
It's poor stewardship. And we will give an account of the mismanagement of what God's given us. After you fold, he said, go gather the, the scraps. Are y'all with me? How much time I got? Pastor Jesse, how much time I got, Doc? <laughs> okay. No, I ain't going to do rollover. How many minutes I got till 11? I got eight minutes to do this? <laughs> All right, here it is. This is day seven. This is day seven, and I think it's going to help us this morning. It's going to help us this morning. Because what I'm going to share with you is counterintuitive to what the world tells us to do. Because if you, if you spend any amount of time on social media, it's all about the grind. It's all about the grind. It's all about working hard, getting paid. And I'm all about hard work. But in the process, what we forfeit is what God modeled for us on the seventh day. Because on the seventh day, God rested from all his labor. And he saw that it was very good. I'm going to talk to you this morning about rest. I'm going to talk to you this morning about rest. Because that is, if you're going to manifest the miracle power of God, you better get some rest. You better get some rest. If you're concerned about longevity. Because you ain't going to be 17 all your life, baby. There's going to come a time if you don't take care of your body. If you don't take care of your soul. If you don't take care of your emotions. If you don't manage even your relationships well, there ain't going to be nothing left for you to celebrate. Nothing left for you to enjoy. In fact, you might lose your children and your family and the people closest to you in the process. I have sat at a number of deathbeds. In fact, when I did my mom's funeral last year, the thing that was most painful to me was that her sudden passing robbed me of her last words. I don't care how many exotic cars you ride. I don't care how many big cars. At the end of it all, what you're concerned about is whether your children will even be at your bedside for them to hear your last words. What's the guy from the Partridge family who died the other year? Um, Cassidy, something? David Cassidy. You know his last words? So much wasted time. That's why on people's minds, when they, when, when they look over their life, so much wasted time. Let that not be your testimony. Because we often chase the wrong thing. Zig Ziglar, and you've heard me quote Zig Ziglar often. Zig said, most of us climb the ladder of success only to discover that it's been leaning against the wrong building the whole time. On the seventh day, listen, I'm not saying don't get yours. Go get yours. Get as much as you can. But don't miss the point. Don't miss the purpose behind your success. Don't miss the reason why God has given you this. It's not, hey, it's not to be self-serving. 
And that's the problem with our world today. It's all about me. Everybody want to be a celebrity. Every pastor want to wear a Gucci belt. Yeah, you can't tell the difference between the first lady and Cardi B. Because we're taking our cues from the world. And we think that God measures success the way the world does. Wow, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. I'm going to take my time. Y'all going to eat cold pizza today. <laughs> Even if wifey say, I ain't going to minister to you for that, I'm still going to do it. No, I'm teasing. Okay, here we go. Yeah, I'm going to cut it short in Jesus' name. Thank you, baby. She said my review was awesome. So here it is. Here it is. Seventh day. Seventh day. Uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. God rested. God rested. So let me give you quickly what Jesus said about rest. And I believe it's the word of the Lord for us today. In fact, Rick, our creative director, can attest to this. One of the conversations we had early on when he came on board is you know how we're going to do this thing? We're going to front load our week. Sunday through Thursday, we're going to get it all done. So that Friday and Saturday, we can party like rock stars. When I say party like rock stars, you're going to have time to enjoy your wife and family. They're newlyweds. Been married six months. Even though we're in a growth season at Converge, where we're pivoting to two campuses. When I say two campuses, there's in-person and online. And there's a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. One of the decisions I made was we're going to front load the week. So I can enjoy my wife and family, and you can enjoy your wife and family. Listen to me. And if you try to disrupt that time for foolishness and mayhem, you get nothing under certain circumstances. How many of you realize the problem sometimes for us is that we're reactive? And this is what I'm learning. The problems that people are having right now Huh? Just because you didn't manage your life well shouldn't constitute an emergency for me. When I was teaching it here, every Sunday morning, you ignored it. And now that the wheel's about to fall off the truck, I should stop my time with my family to minister to you because you ignored wise counsel in all the sessions I sat with you. I should give up dinner with my family to respond to your emergency. The devil is a liar. Yeah, that's a problem with most of us. We respond reactively to other people's foolishness. And we don't draw a plimsoll line around our priorities. I've taught our leaders what the plimsoll line is. There were ships, cargo ships, that were sailing from England uh, to the New World, and they would sink because of the, 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 the storms and, and the, the tempest at sea. And there was this one guy who was a parliamentarian, and he was concerned about why all these Seaworthy vessels were sinking. And what he realized was that they were overfilling the ships. They wanted to make so much money that they filled every square inch with cargo. So that when the storm came, the captain couldn't maneuver the ship effectively. That's the problem with most of us. We overfill in our ships. And when the storm comes, you sink. You drown. You crash or burn. So what Plimsoll did was he appealed to the nautical authorities and they put a line 
on the outside of the ship. You'll see it on every ship around the world. Even today, there is a plimsoll line, meaning no matter how big this ship is, no matter how much capacity this ship has, you can't stack anything above this line. And guess what happened? Ships stopped sinking because they drew a plimsoll line. When was the last time you stopped to draw a plimsoll line around your priorities? Where you said, my family is priority, and I'm going to draw a line here. Meaning, if you ain't call me before 9 o'clock, at 9 o'clock when I draw my line, you ain't getting pastor for nothing. Are y'all listening, listening to what I'm saying? Draw a plimsoll line around your priorities. And when you draw that line, nothing, don't allow nothing. And again, there are exceptions. There are exceptions. Let me qualify that. There are exceptions. But you need to learn the power of drawing your plimsoll line so that you can experience the seventh day. Life is not only about the first six days. Life is not only about your labor and your grind. God shows us that if we're going to model, if we're going to, if we're going to be expressions of his miracle power, we got to learn to rest. You say, Pastor Ray, why you say that? Whew, let, me just, let me just read this to you. Uh, this is from Forbes magazine. A 2019 study by software company Rescue Time looked at 100, listen, 185 million hours of working time. Here are some, some of the key findings. Workers average just two hours and 48 minutes of productive device time a day. That means when you're sitting at your computer, you're sitting at your laptop, based on the research of 185, you're sitting at that computer, but only two hours and 48 minutes of your time is actually productive. Y'all know what y'all be doing now on that computer. It's one of the reasons why you turn off your camera on your Zoom call. You ain't doing nothing productive, work-related. You're on the call, but you're not being productive. Okay, here's why. Here's why. And most of you know I was bivocational until March of this year. I know, I know how I got down and how many of my coworkers got down, and here's the evidence. 21% of working hours, 21% of your 40-hour work week is spent on entertainment, news, and social media. That means while you're at work, you're scrolling through your feed, you're checking Facebook, you're looking up to see what happened on TMZ. 28% of workers start their day before 8.30 a.m. and 5% begin before 7 a.m. 26% of work is done outside of regular working hours. That means, that means people have no plimsoll line, so even after working hours, people still got access to you. You're still working after you leave the office. 26%, I'm sorry, we check email and instant messaging on average every six minutes. 40.1% of our day is spent multitasking with communication tools. Guilty as charged. I shouldn't do this, but I do text and drive. I shouldn't do it. But what about me has this urge to respond in the moment? 
Why can't I drive, get to my destination? And that's part of the problem, Coquetzo. There was a time before all the technology where if you weren't sitting by your phone, nobody had access to you. Now people have access to you all the time if you'll let them. I don't have to respond to that text while I'm driving with my family in the car. That is not Sabbath. That is not resting. And that's what 40.1% of our day is spent doing. 40.1, almost half of our day. So here it is. There are three implications from the research. Number one, personal relationships are suffering. A work and family journal found that women whose partners work 50 or more hours per week have greater stress and substantially lower relationship satisfaction compared to women whose partners work 35 hours per week. Another study found that work family, listen to this, work family conflict contributes to $24 billion in additional expenses. That the conflict that people are having in their homes because we can't balance work and family is contributing $24 million in counseling, in divorce fees, because we couldn't manage work and family. When God said, rest on the Sabbath day, this is what he was trying to get us to avoid. Okay? Number two, we're not as productive as we think, and that's why a lot of companies are going to four-day work weeks. They have found that their employees are more productive working four days than five days. They get more done empirically working four days than they do working five days. So they work four and rest three. You know where that comes from? It comes from the rhythm of God. It comes from the rhythms of God. And now here's the third thing. We are propelling. Because of our nonstop grind, we are propelling the burnout epidemic. We are burning out prematurely. And that's what God was trying to say, rest. Because if you don't rest, you will burn out prematurely. And when I need you, you ain't going to have nothing. It's biblical to turn off the TV, turn off the phone, turn off the computer, and rest and recover and replenish because God needs you. Hmm? So much I was going to say. But let me read this to you. So this is what Jesus said. And you can start playing, uh, Angie. I'm just going to fast forward through this. This is what Jesus had to say about the issue. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm talking to the people in the building this morning who are exhausted, who are on the verge of burnout. Jesus said, Come to me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. If you, feel like, if you feel like you're one of these statistics in this report, Jesus gives you an invitation this morning to come to him. So that's the first instruction, come. You know what come means? Come simply means leave where you are and draw near to where I am. That's one of the biggest steps of faith you will ever take. Learning to give up what you have in exchange for what Jesus offers. 
Sometimes when Jesus says come, listen to me, sometimes when Jesus says come, like he said to Peter, it means stepping out of the security of the boat to walk on water. Thinking, look, if I get out this boat, what's going to happen? And Jesus said come. And I told some of you, man, it's better to be a wet water walker than a dry boat dweller. If Jesus says come. The second thing Jesus says, he says, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word picture there is that of two oxen yoked together. Because he's speaking to people who understand agriculture, who understand farming terms. And they put the two oxen together because two are better than one. But the thing about the yoke is... When you're yoked together, you have to pull in the same direction. One ox can't go left while the other goes right. And Jesus says, if you come to me, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to yoke us together. So that wherever I go, there you'll be. And whatever you do, you will do in my strength, not yours. Are y'all listening to me this morning? Jesus gives us an invitation to tap into his strength. The only way it happens is when you come from where you are to where he is and submit yourself to his yoke so that his strength becomes yours. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And then he says, and then he says, and then he says, first instruction, come. Second, take my yoke. And then the third thing he says is learn of me. He said, learn how I do it. He says, learn how I do it. And baby, would you pull that passage up in the message? I'm going to read it and then we're going to close. He says, learn of me. Come, take my yoke and learn. This is what Jesus wants us to learn. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30 in the message. Let me read some verses while we get to message because that's where we're going to end. When we come to Jesus and yoke our lives to Jesus, here's what we're going to learn. Psalm 127 and verse 2, it is in vain to all my grinders. Here's my reminders for some grinders in the room. It is in vain for you to rise up early. It is in vain for you to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For only God gives his beloved sleep. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Staying up late. Rising up early. But he said, only God can give you the rest that you need. You think it's in your waking up early and your staying up late and your grind that you're going to find rest. But only God gives his beloved sleep. Uh, Psalm 3 and verse 5. I lay down and I slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I was talking to people who think they do it all by themselves. You know why you even woke up? It's because the Lord sustained you. And when we come to Jesus, he will teach us the power of rest. Psalm 4 and verse 8. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Realize, Jesus, when I come to you and I take your yoke, you're going to make me sleep. Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Why do we rest? Because we have the presence of God. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Psalm 23 verses 1 through 3, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to do what? Lie down in green pastures, the place of provision 
He leads me beside the still waters, the place of peace. I got so many scriptures, I ain't going to even read them. But I am going to close with Matthew chapter 28, verses 18. 20, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. In the message paraphrase. Y'all ready for this? He says, are you tired? Worn out. Burned out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me. And you will recover your life. How many want to recover their life? He says, if you're tired today, if you're burned out on religion, if you're worn out, come to me and you'll recover your life. Oh, man, look at, listen to this. I'll show you how to take a real rest. How many of you realize that just because you sleep doesn't mean you're getting any rest? He said, I'll show you how to, how, to, how to take a real rest. He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And here it is. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. It is the picture of two dancers. And if you know anything about ballroom dancing, somebody's got to lead. And Jesus is saying, when you come to me, I will be the lead. And you will learn the unforced. You ain't going to have to fight for it. You ain't going to have to sweat for it. You ain't going to have to struggle for it because you will learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. I will give you the grace to do it. Part of the reason we struggle is because we try to do it in our own strength. Because we're not yoked to Jesus. And when we're not yoked to Jesus, it's because we didn't come to him in the first place. And we forfeit the grace that is available to sustain us. And Jesus says this. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. Listen, if we're going to manifest, if we're going to manifest the miracle power of God, he wants us to live freely and lightly. And that is the miracle of the seventh day. It's not about, listen, Jesus, I mean, God created heavens and earth six days and rested. He didn't worry himself about what may have or may not have gone right while he rested. And that's where God wants us to live. And the team can come because we're going to close right here with this quote from Augustine of Hippo. And this is what he said. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. I want you to hear this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest with God. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until we find rest with God. I don't care how much you earn. How many badges you have, how many things you achieve, your heart will remain restless until you find rest with God. I'll say it again. Nothing will fill that God-shaped void because it is God-shaped. And if you continue to put square pegs in round holes, you will remain restless. And so when Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and I'll give you rest, he is giving us an invitation 
because we were made for him and our souls will remain restless until we find rest with God and experience Matthew 28, Matthew 11, 28 through 30 for ourselves. Let's pray. You're here in the building this morning. You're here in the building this morning and your struggle is restlessness. Sleepless nights, anxiety, worry about the future. You're exhausted. You're living and running on fumes. This message, this message was, was from God's heart, from God's lips to your heart, from God's heart to your ear. I don't know what you're going through, wrestling through, navigating, but this morning, this morning, Matthew 11, 28 through 30 belongs to you. Father, we come to you now in the name that is above every other name. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. Everyone who has been grinding, working, laboring, struggling. Lord, this morning, we receive, we receive the promise. That's what we do. Just open your heart right now where you are. Receive what God has freely given. His rest. You don't have to struggle for it. You don't have to work to earn it. Just receive. Receive the rest of God. Father, we ask you now for that. As we come to you and take your yoke. Lord, I pray that tonight we will experience the best night of sleep and rest that we've had than anything we've had in months and in years. Because we receive the rest of God. And Father, I pray that it will not just be a one-time thing. As we learn the power of Matthew 11, I pray in Jesus' name that this will be our lifestyle. Work-life balance. Sabbath as part of the rhythm of our life. Plimsoll lines around our priorities. So that we will have something of worth and value to give back to you when you need it most. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Did that help anybody this morning? We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Remember to stay connected with us on our website, weareconverge.com, or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at We Are Converge. You can also partner with us financially by giving safely and securely online at weareconverge.com backslash give. Thank you and God bless.